Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Great Quarter Gals. It is Tuesday afternoon, and I'm your host, Kaylee Nix. This is the show where we talk about the incredible women who are making strides in leadership in freight and finance. Today's show, also going to be pretty finance-heavy, just like it was last week. And I am excited to welcome my co-host, Grace Sharkey, back with me again today. Grace, we missed you last week, but we're ready to have another great show and technically a double dose of Grace with our guest for today. Grace number one, I'm Grace number two, and that's because we'll learn about the incredible things she's doing that raised her above my ranks. But yeah, it's a fun-packed episode, and I missed you guys as well, so I'm happy to be back on schedule and, and see you again. And we've got a ton to cover in today's episode. So we're just going to jump straight into the content today. Talking about, as I mentioned, that finance angle around venture capital and investments. Talking about the state of investment for female-owned businesses, which, as we all know, is not anywhere near where it should be. And quite frankly, is really below where it even could be at this level. So let's dig right into this right now. Talking not only about the difference of women versus men when it comes to investment, starting your own business and raising capital, but also talking about the difference in ethnicity and race and how that plays into your strategy as well. Yeah. uh, Quick story of really why I wanted to do this episode is I was talking to a friend recently who's been raising money for their own business. And I mentioned something to him about how difficult it was to run into women in VC and and find good representation. And just wondering, asked him, you know, how how does the process usually go? What's it like as someone looking for investment? And he quite quickly said, well, you know, as a white male, it's it's awfully easy. And uh, for this person that I trust and, and love, I know that they meant that with, uh, you know, accuracy of what the environment looks like today. And uh, it's statistics that show it as well. Uh, of 2020, all venture capital investments, only 0.43% went towards women of color or Hispanic background. Um, And about 45% of the VC workforce as a whole is represented by women, but only 10% of those are key partners within VC firms as well. Uh, We're we're very far away from being anywhere close to equal in this state. And it really makes me nervous because a lot of the really great ideas for improving this industry and bringing it into its next generation or bringing it forward through time is going to take different opinions, right? Different ideas and and different problems that I think goes past uh, that, oh, apparently that stat, about 99% of where most VC is going. So it's, it's incredibly sad to see that we're far away from it being equal, uh, but it's important that we you know, use this platform, right, and make it known so that we start to see a little bit more of investment in people that don't look like the average investor today. Absolutely. I think that there's a stereotype that you think of an investor and he is often carrying a briefcase, wearing a couple thousand dollar suit and is six foot two and a white man walking down the street, right? Like that's what you think when you're like, ah, this is who works at an investment firm. But that really shouldn't be the case. And when we talk about women getting involved in the higher levels up of VC and making their name known, it's not just about the good ideas that they bring to the table. It's about the longevity and the investment that they bring in the trickle-down effect as we talk about it. If you are a woman who is leading the charge in a VC firm, you are more likely to look down and to see the women who are making great ideas. Same thing goes if you are someone who is included in those diversity and equity and inclusion initiatives. If you see someone who has a more diverse background than you, 
or just a diverse background in general, you are more likely to see the value in their investment as well because it's a shared experience and you know that what you did differently helped get you to the position that you are. So you're going to use that difference to elevate the next person. Yeah. And at the end of the day, someone might push back and say, hey, listen, and it's about money. It's about bringing back a return, right? Well, guess what? We got stats to prove that as well. <laughs> uh, female VC partners are actually three times more likely to invest in startups of other female CEOs. So that's a big one, right? Is we need these VC partners in there to start investing in those females as well. And they don't fail. 69% of venture firms that scored in the top uh, percentage uh, between 2019 and 18 actually had women, more women in decision-making roles. Uh, and overall, female founders generate about 78 cents of revenue for every dollar of funding, where male-founded startups generate actually about 31 cents of revenue for every dollar in funding. Um, so it's it's good to have that counterpart. And this isn't just about eliminating a certain person out of the equation. It's about the equality. And it's about working with others and being able to uh, you know, go back and forth and have discussions about how uh, an industry can change and how uh, where that investment needs to go to. Uh, investment exits and overall fund returns have a 6% lower success rate if the investments by the VCs are, if the VC and the founders share the same ethnicity. And they're actually 12% less, like, less likely to be successful if they're even from the same school. So I, I think I had uh, uh, someone from Steam Logistics on the radio show a couple weeks ago, and it's even talking, like, we need to focus on HBCUs and the people that we're bringing in from other uh, schools besides, you know, Harvard, Stanford, some of the big ones, uh, business schools that you see a lot of these VC leaders come from. It's difference of opinion comes from the backgrounds and the things in the environment that you interact with. Our brains can't comprehend what we haven't seen. So how can mm -hmm. we fix things for an inner city if none of our VC representatives have ever lived in those? Something to consider. Absolutely. And Grace number two, I'm going to ask you a question that I want your thoughts on pretty quickly before we get to <laughs> Grace number one in this interview. But you mentioned that 78 cents for women-led and, and or, uh, entrepreneurs versus 31 for men. That's a 47 cent disparity. And I, I want to kind of, without getting too speculative on the way that things go, do you think that a lot of this has to do with the pressure that are put on women to not fail from the get-go? I think as women, we're, we're often stressed with, you know what, we're making, we're making this investment in you, so you better perform and you better do that. Whereas I think if you're a man, there tends to be a little bit more of a margin for error. I would, I want to say uh, with very little, uh, maybe concrete evidence behind it. Yes, that's probably true from the things that you and our, we both have gone through in, in our own careers. But I also want to say back to that stat that a lot of women in VC, a lot of these founders, they end up recruiting more women within their businesses too. So maybe that's something that we should look into mm -hmm. is if if these firms that aren't performing as high or the investments aren't re being returned as high are do they have female leadership even within their four walls? So it, it truly trickles down. Was that Reagan, right? So there we go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's get Grace number one in here. We've got Grace Maher with us, who is the Chief Operating Officer at OTR Solutions. And Grace, we are honored to bring you on the show. I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a double dose of Grace today. And Grace Sharkey so graciously <laughs> branded you Grace number one because you are joining us and you're bringing this incredible perspective. So one, thank you for joining us. 
And two, let's start off by talking a little bit about the recent rebrand of OTR and where you guys are at. Give us just kind of an update on that. Yeah, thanks, Kaylee. It's so good to be here and very excited to um, join you today. The rebrand, you know, it was a natural evolution for us. You know, as OTR Capital, when we started in 2011, we said we wanted to be more than just a factoring company. And um, what products and solutions could we offer that would help carriers um, succeed? And over the years, you know, we've added uh, different products and services to help them, and we'll continue to do so. Um, you know, we're in the age of finally technology really coming into this industry and evolving and changing the way things are done. Uh, and so it's more than just about purchasing invoices for us. And um, we recently had a focus group. We asked our clients, you know, hey, uh, what can we do for you? There's so many problems in trucking and we want to be the solution. And that was sort of, you know, we asked them too, like, what do you, we want to change who we are. And OTR Solutions was the name that our clients helped us pick. So it feels really good to, to sort of be in the industry as OTR Solutions, which is really who we've always been. I like that you use the term uh, like uh, natural evolution. A lot of times when I write about rebrands, it's about uh, targeting a new market or um, making maybe a swing in what the, the company is going to be focused on. But I've watched your leadership over the last couple of years, and you've truly have designed a really incredible uh, solution, really, OTR solutions, for carriers <laughs> who are looking for support just past the factoring aspect. So it really was almost like, okay, we are doing a lot more than just making sure that their cash flow is fine. We're getting them with really great individuals and partners and companies that are going to make sure that their company continues to grow. How how did you go about setting up those partnerships and, and why was that so important to the growth of OTR over time? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an arsenal, right? And it takes an army, I think, to help small, you know, for us, it's about the small mid-sized carrier. We love fleets as well, and we work with many of those, but um, the owner-operator is underrepresented. Uh, you know, those five trucks or less, they need all the help they can get. And, you know, we, we realize that we can do this better. It's a relationship um, that we love to have. It's a network that we've built over the years. And so the partnerships that we've added, you know, we think about what do carriers need to run? You know, they need insurance. So Marquee Insurance Group, you know, they do an incredible job. We're able to help our carriers get uh, renewals and quotes every single year. Um, Simplex out of Miami, you know, um, from safety and compliance to dispatching, DAT load boards, you've got to, <laughs> if you're not finding freight, you're not, you're not moving. So your business is not making any money. And uh, we work with dispatchers and educators in the community because education is everything. Um, I feel like when I first came into the industry, there really wasn't any education. I mean, that has really popped off over the last several years. And it's about the right education. Like who's really dropping gems, right? Like who's really giving the good information? Mm -hmm. And we thought... Um, that could be us. So we really try to make sure that we're delivering on um, ways in which the carriers who don't have this broad network and uh, to, can really understand like how to do uh, run their businesses better. Grace, I love that. It's, it's about kind of helping every single piece of the industry become just a little bit better every day. 
And with the education piece that you mentioned, I think a lot of people who are entering the industry, maybe as a driver or as a small owner operator, come into it because they see, you know what, this is a good opportunity because maybe they're lacking a technical education post high school, or maybe they're lacking a full college degree that society makes them feel like they need to succeed. But that's not the case. You can enter an industry like trucking or a trade and be very, very successful if you have the right tools to set it up. And something that I think is very crucial to encouraging that diversity and inclusion aspect of things is providing people with easily accessible tools. And a lot of that comes through the partnerships that you mentioned. How is it trying to provide those tools for not only those brand new folks who are entering the industry, but maybe for the folks who want to brush up a little bit on their education or who want to try something new? Maybe you've been consistently a short haul driver and you want to get into more long haul over the road trucking, or maybe you only run reefers and you want to start pulling drayage. Like how, how do you guys help get people out of their rut that they're in and into something else if they want that continuing education? Yeah, I mean... Um... First of all, we try to make sure that we understand what they want or need in order to achieve those goals. So we're actually, we're talking to our clients. Like I don't, we don't have voicemail at OTR, which a lot of people don't realize. Like you cannot physically leave a message um, with our operations team. Um, You will always get someone on the phone, which is quite incredible, right? I mean, you know, you call and you've got a question, we're going to make sure it gets answered. It's been like that since the day we started. It will always be like that. Um, and as far as the education piece, you know, I believe that your network is your net worth. Um, and so we're trying to make sure that we, everyone is accessible. So through our YouTube page, through our partnerships page, um, you know, uh, our, our client portal, the clients log in, there's different highlights, um, constantly evolving and changing. You know, we just started the new product and service elevate because we recognize that, Carriers who run with a Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo are paid, um, you know, five to ten percent less than those who have a branded website and email domain. So, how can we do this and um, do it in a way that is very economical? It's, it's. I mean, it, it pays for itself, to be quite honest with you. And so, uh, you know, these are small little things that help these carriers level up. Um, and compete and can negotiate better when they're talking to brokers. Um, and so we provide that education, but we have our partners, um, whether it's, you know, Truck and Hustle or Adam Wingfield from Innovative Logistics or people that help carry the message. Like, it is true that, you know, if you do not have a branded website and email, you're likely going to get paid less. You, you know, let's be honest, the brokers know, like, you're may not have a lot of tools um, at your disposal to know that you should be asking for $1,500 rather than $1,400. One thing that's completely so outstanding about the partnerships, you just named off a few as well, Leading Ladies of Logistics, even Kelsey Scott, I saw you just recently had on um, one of your videos as well. Uh, you are really going out there and making sure that it's known that OTR Solutions is focused on diversity and equity and inclusion. And a lot of companies are really struggling with their own DEI initiatives uh, and maybe even seeing the impact and, and seeing the, that it's you know working for them where think if anyone was to spend, you know, a few minutes on your social media and the people that you work with, they quickly understand that you really get it. What advice would you give companies who are looking to follow in your footsteps to make this actionable and and see it actually work and improve for their carrier relationships? Yeah, I mean, I go, 
I can't say this enough. I think we are really involved with our clients in the community. Um, so for us, so many like leading ladies of logistics and Tristan and Kelsey Taylor Scott and um, Ramel with Truck and Hustle. I, you know, I, we know them. You know, these are not just partners we're going to check in with once a year or say, "Hey, can we can we partner?" Um, you know, we have a natural. We have a relationship with them, and so it's been very organic for us to pull this together. And yes, it's, um, you, you want to have representation, but for us, it's also about the connection. You know, it's about, um, we have the same common mission and goal of helping trucking companies succeed. And the reason why we know that is because we're constantly looking and talking, you know, Dominican hotshot and, um, simplex. There's so many, um, ways in which we can sort of get out there within the community, um, and, and help carriers, you know, our marketing targets um, are also sent out in in, in um, Spanish so that everyone can read them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's just very important to us that that OTR is accessible to you know any carrier that wants um, to be able to build a stronger, better business for themselves. Okay, so I think that when we look at today's kind of culture in logistics, there's a lot of that hustle culture. And in that hustle culture lies the mindset of, well, I can't partner with people because they're my direct competition. Or what if they turn sour and take business out from underneath me? That's always a risk that you run when you start to create some really solid partnerships in the industry. But how do you recommend that folks kind of get out of that mindset and get over it and realize that we are working in a collaborative industry? (laughs) We're in a place where everybody benefits if we work better together. And you know what? You don't have to be competitive to still be successful. (laughs) You can be better successful if you're holding hands instead of fighting with each other, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I I think... um, Look, there's a ton of business out there for everybody. You know, I mean, honestly, yeah, you know, we still think that this is very much the beginning for OTR. And uh, I'm incredibly proud of what we've built, but there's a, there's still so far that we could go. Um, you know, but certainly at the end of the day, if we're looking at, I mean, this country, if it moves on freight, you know, we have to have the owner operators. We, we should want them to succeed. You know, we should want to make sure that they're paid when diesel is what it is right now. Um, watching freight rates fall is crazy to me. Uh, you know, we should take care of the trucking companies that keep our families functioning, um, on a day-to-day basis. There's not a thing that we're getting off the shelf that wasn't brought over on a truck. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's important that we all keep that mindset, um, and we are looking at each other saying, Hey, you've got the same mission that I do, right? It's not about competition. It's about, it's, it's a mission. Well, let's put the spotlight even more so on you right now. And, uh, for you personally, uh, being a woman in this industry for quite some time, uh, what factors have driven your success? What do you think has helped get you here to this moment? Uh, uh, uh I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, first of all, I work with great men. I really do. Um, but I, a long time ago, you know, I heard this saying like stick with the winners, right? Um, I want to win. Um, I want to stick with the winners. I want to stay at the top. I didn't, you know, when I came into this industry, there weren't many women. There was no one really that I was able to look up to, you know, there was no one at the table, if you will, but, um, you know, I was determined that, um, you know, I have 
felt like I had a lot to offer and, and wanted to be a part of this winning team. And I work with men that um, support me and uh, are awesome. So it's been, I've been fortunate, but I've, I, you know, I stick with the winners and I want to be a winner. I jokingly, you you guys know Kevin and, and Fritz mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> funny story. I used to imagine, and this is no joke, like we've been in, you know, this for over 10 years. And I used to imagine like five or six years in that they might on a Friday night be together somewhere. Right. And they might be having a drink or two and talking about, you know, the companies evolving and how they're well they're doing and that they might play a game. And the game is if we had to start it all over again and you could only pick five, who would you take? And I was always sure I wanted to make sure that my name, I'd be one of those five. And I think if you approach your career like that, whether you're, you know, in any department working for a manager and they can only pick one in your role, like, don't you want it to be you? Um, And that's just how I've always approached it. I love that. I think that is something that I've kind of tried to embody early on on, in my career. And it's like, you know what, if if you're going to stick and be successful, you've got a plan to stick it out. To win. And so it's refreshing mm-hmm. to hear somebody who's one in a C-suite role like you are, and two has the experience coming up to the industry to know that that's kind of the fighter mentality spirit. Do you have mm-hmm. anybody in the industry that has kind of helped mentor you and shape you into that fighter mentality? Or do you think that it was something more that you just kind of naturally, the tenacity was something that you naturally came in with? Uh, I Well, I work with a lot of competitive men. So, um, you know, I've, I love rising to that challenge and saying like, I'm going to win with you. You know, um, I played team sports, so, you know, it, uh, it's always been fun for me to kind of be in a very competitive environment. But as far as women, you know, I'll say this, I have loved meeting women in the industry as they've grown. Like when I first came here, Kevin Nolan looked at me and said, you're going to be the first female broker at NTG. Well, we ended up starting OTR, so that didn't happen. But, you know, <laughs> it was that there are there are so many wonderful women. And I feel like when we do meet each other, for example, you know, Grace and uh, there's Kev, if I meet people at conferences, we're all very supportive and friendly, which is awesome. And that needs to continue, you know, Tristan with leading ladies of logistics and bringing women together and you know, at OTR, we have a women in logistics organization and diversity in logistics organization. Like we want to provide a platform for women to continue to move up um, and minorities and um, help people continue to grow in their roles. But I do have a mentor. Um, it, You know, I've always had a mentor uh, and I think it's very important that you do. I did not have accessibility to a woman mentor at um, at the time, but for years I, I go for connection. I go for what do I not know that I need to know? Who can I learn from? And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's sort of been my approach. And it's, it's worked fantastic. And I, I love watching you grow over there and the company grow. And I had Kevin Nolan, uh, in an interview on the radio show and he was just so happy with everything that you've been able to do over there. And I, uh, what can we look forward to coming up, right? What's in the future for OTR solutions and and all of the carriers and and partners a part of it as well? Yeah. You know, we, we have what I like to call, um, or what we call it's the ever evolving good idea pile, right? So there's so (laughs) many ideas. Um, We will actually go to our clients and ask them which ones they want. That's really important to us. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is we want to help them negotiate better. 
not, it, not a subjective, Hey, that looks like that would be a good load or, you know, um, these carriers get into the industry, you know, the freight ferry doesn't just show up. Right. So we want, we want them <laughs> to be able to keep moving. Um, you know, it's, and be as efficient as they possibly can be. So, um, that's the direction that we're headed. Awesome, Graceful. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Congrats on the rebrand and OTR. And we are so excited to watch what you guys are doing up in the future. People want to get in contact with you and not reach the voicemail. Where where can they go to do that? Right. Yeah, you can email me. Uh, I'm on social media, LinkedIn. Um, My contact is uh, grace.mar at otrsolutions.com and reach out to me anytime. Incredible stuff. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that we will catch up with you later on on another Great Quarter Gals episode. Grace, number two, let's throw it back to you to close things out. What have we got going on for the rest of the day, rest of the week here for you? Well, we got the radio show coming on. Uh, it's, it's really actually going to be a fun week on this too. So today it's, uh, I, I haven't had a show with Thomas in a while. So all Thomas today, uh, Jet McCandles is actually coming on the show on Wednesday, spending a good hour with me talking about P44 and a lot of just his overall thoughts and, and work within supply chain. Uh, on uh, Thursday, I believe we have Ship Bob joining us. And then on Friday, a whole hour of Cassandra Gaines. So uh, will we have to bleep her out? Will we not? It's up to Sirius and we sell see. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess yes. My producer will be ready to hit that button hot on Friday. <laughs> All right. You can catch Grace. Road Dog Radio, 5 to 7 p.m. We will see you guys next week for our next episode of Great Quarter Gals. Have a great rest of your day. One, two, three.